This is a Diet of Brussels. Uh, today's question is, are we going to leave the EU on the 29th of March? Uh, this is a question that's long floated around Brexit negotiations, the Article 15 negotiations, but uh, I'm only tackling it now because it's only now that this is becoming more formally uh, an issue. It's becoming an issue for two reasons. Well, actually, one reason, which is that there really isn't very much time left. Here we are, uh, 30 days out from Brexit, uh, according to the Article 50 period, and we don't know what's going to happen. Now, um, it's worth exploring different pathways in this, but I think uh, Theresa May's statement yesterday to Parliament offering them a series of votes are by the 14th of March, which includes a possibility of an extension, is the first time that we've actually had a formal discussion uh, and consideration of this issue. Now, it's, it's really important, I think, to, to start off by thinking about why this has only come up now. Article 50 specified a two-year window from notification uh, with the intention that, you know, that was the kind of amount of time that would be needed in order to work through the issues and get a, 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 an agreement in place between the departing state and the, uh, the rest of the European Union. However, one of the things that uh, Article 50 provides for is the possibility of an extension by uh, common consent. So you need uh, the departing state and all of the other member states to agree uh, by unanimity that this is something that they want to do. And this really reflects the, the extent to which a state remains a signatory in a member state until it actually leaves. And so the capacity to uh, extend this window is something that uh, states, I think, were keen to, to make sure could happen. However, from the British perspective, the way that they've pursued Brexit, extension has not been a part of the debate for most of the time. For those who want to leave, any discussion of extension smacks of uh, delay uh, of trying to push back and uh, th this might be the, the thin end of a very thick wedge that uh, a small extension leads to another small extension and that before we know it we're many years down the line and that we're never actually going to leave. For those who uh, want to remain, extension also hasn't been a priority issue. The, the the thing for them has always been uh, about trying to stop the process rather than to prolong it. And so extensions really when you ever sort of discussed as a function of we need time to organise a general election or a second referendum, something that would lead then to the uh, abrogation of the process. So really talking about extension in of itself has not been a priority issue. And if we think about the way the British government has uh, approached uh, the negotiations, extension has not only not been a priority issue, it has been an essential uh, thing to avoid talking about. And the reason for this is that Theresa May's strategy, as we've discussed several times before, has been quite a simple one. That aware that the withdrawal agreement is not a popular document, 
she uh, Theresa May has uh, sought to try and collapse the choices down to a binary between the withdrawal agreement and leaving with a no deal because she knows that no deal is even less popular than the withdrawal agreement and if your choice comes down to two really unpopular things then people probably will go for the least unpopular of the two. Now we'll leave to one side whether this is a, a good way of making public policy but uh, that has been the strategy. So we saw the closing off of an internal leadership challenge uh, with the, the failure of that vote before Christmas. We saw uh, the closing off of the fall of the government with the motion of no confidence uh, back in January. And uh, the constant delaying of key votes has in effect closed down space for alternative plans to come forward. So we know that a second referendum doesn't really have much uh, appetite uh, or much support in the Commons. We saw that with the, the very limited support that the Labour amendment uh, got uh, back in February. Uh, we've seen how all the other various plans, Norway, Malthouse, whatever, have come to nothing uh, and uh, partly by saying we'll delay the vote and we'll go and try and renegotiate but then not actually renegotiating has been about trying to forestall the scope for alternative plans to get off the ground. So from number 10 strategy this whole approach has been very conscious, very considered and whilst unpleasant has broadly been an effective one. So what's changed? Well, uh, I think uh, a number of things have become clear. As we get closer to the 29th of March, it's become clear that the anxiety of many actors involved in uh, Parliament has increased considerably. On the one hand, those government ministers who are really are very concerned about a no deal, of whom there are quite a few, have become more and more vocal in their concern and have said that they can't support a process that doesn't allow for an extension. Now, uh, the reason for going for an extension is that uh, at the moment their preferences are really centred around avoiding a no deal rather than uh, anything else. And uh, an extension looks like the least problematic way of avoiding a no deal because it doesn't presuppose a particular outcome uh, apart from a no deal, uh, be that uh, the withdrawal agreements, another agreement or something else. But uh, their capacity and their size uh, and the, the limited political capital that Theresa May has means that she has needed to keep them on side. Now that the credibility of their threat has been strengthened by the events of last week with the defection of uh, three Tory MPs to the independent group. Now uh, I didn't do an episode about that because at the moment I don't actually think that that's the most important thing. It doesn't really change the basic arithmetic of Parliament. Uh, it hasn't snowballed uh, to an extent that it really would have an impact uh, on those kind of calculations. But what it does do is highlight that we're now getting to a stage where 
MPs are willing to withdraw themselves from parties and vote in ways that are uncontrolled. We know that the independent group is not a party. We know that it is not whipping. It's trying to caucus uh, on decisions, but uh, we have to assume that there is going to be a degree of variability between uh, individuals uh, on key issues, even on Brexit, where even though they are uh, broadly of a mind, there are some differences of opinion. But in a moment where parliamentary majorities are going to be essential, the ability to control and corral votes is going to be a key concern. And the worry for uh, number 10 will have been that the breakup of uh, those uh, majorities, the defection of MPs, yes, mainly from uh, Labour, but also from the Tories, presents a clear and present uh, threat to the calculations that have been taken uh, taken place. I think the other factor that plays in is that um, an extension, again, looks uh, like the, the least worst uh, option for the government in terms of trying to, to get their way through this. Again, it doesn't presuppose a particular outcome, so it might be that uh, an extension allows space for more discussion, some kind of uh, resolution, without uh, in advance uh, annoying uh, a particular constituency here or there, be that uh, the people who want a close relationship, the people who want to not leave, or the people who want to leave with no deal. The problem is that... Uh, by acknowledging the possibility of an extension, as Theresa May did uh, yesterday, she potentially collapses her strategy, that more time means more time for things to happen. One of the things that we can see very clearly in Parliament is that still all of the major factions feel that they have a chance to secure their agenda uh, in this process that uh, they still feel that they have skin in the game and that they can make advances. Now, as long as that happens, it is very hard to get past where we are because everyone is waiting on everyone else to make the first step and to make the compromise. And by invoking the possibility of an extension, we need to, to recognise that Theresa May potentially opens up space once again for people to feel as much as to actually do, uh, uh, to feel that they have more choice in this than the withdrawal agreement or a no-deal outcome. Now, uh, there's a recognition of that by Theresa May. If you listen to her statement, actually one of the key points that she makes is the extension that she would be proposing would be a short extension to the end of June. Now, uh, the timing of that is related to the European elections, which take place at the end of May. Uh, there's been much debate about what happens uh, in the UK, if it's still a member state uh, uh, on that date, on the 23rd of uh, May. But the feeling is that probably if the UK were definitely to be leaving by the end of June, 
then it wouldn't need to go through European elections for the reason that the European Parliament doesn't actually sit until the start of July. So even though the UK would be a member and uh, presumably bound by treaty to hold elections uh, at the end of May, because there wouldn't be anything to sit in, then uh, Parliament uh, could uh, uh, push for this extension and uh, that would be okay. But the, the, the point that Theresa May was arguing was that if there was then to be a discussion about a further extension past the end of June, then there would be a real problem because there wouldn't have been elections in the UK and uh, there would be uh, a gap uh, in the EU's rules about what happens in, in that kind of situation. Now, that interpretation hangs on uh, legal advice that has been given by various parties and uh, you've seen similar advice given to the EU. However, it would ultimately be down to the Court of Justice to make a ruling uh, and presumably somebody could bring up a test case uh, in a fairly short order uh, for a pronouncement on that. The difficulty is that as a member state, uh, the UK and indeed the other member states would be within their rights under Article 50 that even if they agreed an extension and said this was a one-off uh, and that they wouldn't extend further, that then they would be able to further uh, or later down the line to um, change their minds. Uh, so even giving a, a solid assurance that they would not extend a second time would not actually stop them from extending a second time uh, under the treaties because the treaty would take precedence over any statement that they made. Now the Court of Justice might be of the opinion that because they couldn't be certain that this couldn't, that wouldn't happen that therefore the UK would have to hold elections uh, at the end of May. The flip side of that clearly is that if elections have been held in the UK and MEPs have been elected then the door is open for much longer extensions, which might well be in the interests of certain parties, uh, particularly if, uh, as Theresa May argues, uh, the one-off extension to the end of June uh, provides uh, a much harder uh, cliff edge uh, over which to fall. That uh, There simply wouldn't be the capacity to do it. Now, this, I think, is, is debatable, uh, both legally and politically. But uh, again, what Theresa May is trying to do is she's trying to contain the extension uh, argument uh, through a, a mechanism that she knows will have a strong resonance with uh, the EU. And certainly the EU's view is that anything uh, beyond uh, the end of June is going to require the UK to have elections uh, held uh, with all of the perils that that holds. With all this in mind, then, it's worth just unpacking a bit what Theresa May has offered uh, at this stage. What she has said is that there will be three votes. So by the 12th of March, there will be a second meaningful vote on the motion to accept the withdrawal agreement and the political declaration. So the same vote that we've already had and which got very heavily defeated. In the event that that motion is defeated again, which at the moment looks like a, a racing certainty, 
by the 13th of March, so the next day, there would be a motion laid before the House on whether the UK should leave the EU without a deal. So basically asking the flip question, that if you don't want this deal, are you saying you want to leave without? Now, the assumption of the government is that there is a strong majority against no deal, and she would uh, find that that motion was defeated, uh, and that Parliament said that, no, we don't want to leave without a deal. Now, there's a degree of uncertainty here because Theresa May was rather evasive about whether she would be recommending uh, or whipping uh, the government uh, to uh, push for a no-deal uh, outcome. Uh, but I think at the moment, I think the assumption is that probably that, that vote is likely to uh, go in favour of not leaving without a deal. In that case, by the 14th, so the, the following day from that, the, a third motion would be laid uh, before uh, Parliament offering to uh, go and seek an extension uh, to the end of June. Now, uh, if that is accepted, that doesn't actually close the process. Uh, if it's accepted, then the government will then go to the EU and, as I've already said, we'll have to get the unanimous approval of the 27 uh, for that extension. Key points to remember here are that it's not purely within the UK's gift. And secondly, from what we know from what the EU has said, uh, they will want a justification for an extension. Extension just on the hope that something pops up is not going to be sufficient grounds. There needs to be a good reason for extending to the end of June for uh, the Commission and for the 27. So uh, it's not clear that this would be connected to anything else specifically that would be happening. It won't be connected to a general election or a referendum. It won't be linked to a, a new set of proposals uh, as far as we know from the UK, so negotiation is also not going to to have a, a, a role in this. So what is this time actually for? And the concern of the EU is that uh, giving extra time now just drags out the agony, and if it's just going to be more of the same, then let's just not waste everybody's time because there are other things to be getting on with. So winning the support of Parliament for an extension in of itself is not a resolution of anything. It possibly isn't even a delay of anything because uh, the EU will have to make a decision relatively quickly, within a week basically, by the time it gets to a European Council on the 21st, 22nd, about whether it's going to accept that and whether it's going to extract any price or concession from that. The other scenario, of course, is that uh, that vote uh, to request for an extension is unsuccessful. And at that point, we really don't know what happens. It's not clear what the pathway is from that. Uh, Parliament, by then, will have rejected for a second time the withdrawal agreement, will have voted that it doesn't want to leave without a deal, uh, will have uh, voted that it doesn't want an extension, but what do you do in the last two weeks uh, of uh, the, the normal period of Article 50? And this really is the, the lacunae in uh, the system. Uh, 
we might imagine that Theresa May might take that as a mandate that she'll go back for a third time with a meaningful vote and say, well, this is still the only deal on the table and we haven't got time for anything else. Or we end up with some other uh, development that requires uh, a response uh, in a very short time. If we step back through the process, though, uh, let's imagine that Theresa May wins the meaningful vote uh, on the 12th or before the 12th. This is unlikely uh, at the moment, but uh, we should consider what happens in that scenario. You know, we know that uh, uh, there are efforts by Geoffrey Cox, the Attorney General, to try and secure some kind of uh, codicil to the withdrawal agreement that might allow him then to say that the backstop is not uh, indefinite uh, and permanent, uh, which might allow uh, a lot of Tories to have a fig leaf that they could then uh, use to cover a cheat and, and a support for the, the withdrawal agreement. And we've seen murmurings from Jacob Rees-Mogg, I don't actually think that uh, strong, that he might be willing to, to consider his, uh, his position on the withdrawal agreement. Now, uh, in the event that the withdrawal agreement is accepted in the meaningful vote by the 12th, the government says that it thinks it can get through the necessary piece of legislation uh, by the 29th. Now, that will be uh, a real push, uh, even in the most benign of circumstances. Uh, Parliament can and has put legislation through the whole process within a day. Uh, for example, on counter-terrorism legislation. But that was on an issue where there was broad consensus in both chambers, in the parties involved, and there was a very pressing need to do that very quickly. With the withdrawal implementation bill that would go through, there would still be a lot of discontent amongst MPs. There would be sharp divisions uh, between parties, uh, the government doesn't hold a majority in the House of Lords, and so getting things through quickly looks problematic. So it might well be that even with a successful second meaningful vote on the 12th, the, the government still would have to go and ask for an extension uh, of the EU so that it had enough time to get the legislation through Parliament. Now, if we're one of... Uh, uh, a sadistic bent, you can imagine that the Lords might decide that it was just going to hold things up for a pretty long time as it considered the uh, contents of what actually will be a very uh, substantial and meaningful piece of legislation with lots of consequences and will argue that it needs to give it proper scrutiny. Uh, all of those things uh, potentially leave the UK in a limbo of not being sure when it uh, is able to... Uh, uh, complete the process. And so it may be that you end up having to talk about uh, a condition-based uh, extension rather than a time-based one. So it will say at the point that the UK completes its ratification of uh, the uh, Withdrawal Implementation Bill, that uh, that is the point at which uh, the UK uh, ceases to be a member state. All of this really is to come back to the central question of when or whether the UK will leave on the 29th of March. As it stands now, I think there's considerable uncertainty that that will now be the case. Uh, even in the most benign scenario, where Theresa May wins the meaningful vote, gets her legislation through, she will be very hard-pressed to do that 
by the end of March. We are certainly not in the most benign of scenarios. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, we have to assume that there are lots of further hurdles to be crossed, which point towards an extension as what will be seen as the least problematic way forward. This, of course, raises the secondary question, well, when is the UK going to leave? And that is something that remains very unclear. Certainly the European elections uh, at the end of May represent the major hurdle that has to be crossed. Um, and if uh, a way is found through that, then actually it's very hard to say when uh, the UK might finally cease to be a member state. All of this, I think, stresses the difficulty that this process has caused. For a long time, the 29th of March 2018 was pretty much the one thing that was fixed in the process, that that was the date the UK was going to leave. Today, at the end of March, uh, at the end of February rather, we are much less certain about even that basic uh, uh, developments and that basic fact uh, than we have been at any point. So there's an awful lot that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try and keep you abreast of that and talk through what it means. Uh, as always, if you have particular questions you'd like me to address or to discuss, uh, people you'd like me to go and try and talk to, I'm happy to do that. You can drop us a line through our website which is www.adultofbrussels.com uh, or you can find us on Twitter, uh, on uh, SoundCloud, uh, any manner of uh, means of getting hold of me. Have a good day and we'll talk again soon when we possibly work out what on earth is going on. See you then.